What's good, what's good? This is Hector Oliveira, and I'm with the man always on a mission to find nutrition, the Polynesian Papa of Pump, Big Body Say, Say Say Liua. Say Say, what's going on, man? How are you? What's good, what's good, Hector? I'm good, man. Thanks for asking. How are you doing, playa? I'm pumped up, man. You know, we had little technical difficulties this past week. I want to apologize to all of our listeners for not being able to get an episode, the latest, the hot, fresh cut of Talking Some Muscle. Uh, so apologies on our on our episode, but you know what? We're just shedding millennials, and uh, I'm gonna have a new, <laughs> a brand new entry. So I was productive in the time with the technical difficulties. I cut a new entrance theme for us, um, but yeah, we're terrible millennials. We don't know shit from fuck about the podcasting business. But you know what? We're gonna do it anyway because sometimes the only way to do it is to fucking do it. Wait, so if we're so doesn't that make us good millennials? I don't know. It just makes us. What is I a mean, good millennial anyway? I don't know. I thought, I mean, if you're a terrible millennial, then like you would have like hard work ethic. Oh wait, that's a that's a low blow. That's a low blow. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, but be. you were saying, I get it. We're shitty millennials. Yeah. Shitty being the transitive uh, verbation of the okay. pronoun. So I get it. You're right. <laughs> so so to be a millennial, you have to have shitty work ethic. But to be a shitty millennial, you have to have good work ethic. All right. So it is written. <laughs> So it shall be etch-a-sketched. Yeah. So well, I, I, I agree. Like, I'm a good millennial because I'm lazy as fuck, bro. Like, you want to call me a millennial? That's fine. I ain't going to do shit about it. Like, whatever. You know? It's all good. I hear the I hear the millennial mark is 1984. And do you want to know what else hit the scene in 1984? What is that, brother? That would be today's topic. Hulkamania. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're covering the one and only professional wrestling brand that changed three different industries that changed the wrestling industry for sure but also overlapped into the fitness industry it overlapped into entertainment industry but the most important thing is we're gonna talk some hulkamania today man let me tell you something brother i am so pumped up to talk some hulkamania bro when i heard we were doing this podcast bro and i thought about all the hulkamania and hulksters out there eating their vitamins and their vegetables bro i could not believe the excitement that was pumping through my veins brother that's right coming right <laughs> up it's gonna be Cecilia and Hector Oliveira. And they are going to talk some. Muscle. muscle. Through the wastelands of a millennial battlefield littered with fallen fitness Instagram pages and exposed social media influencers, our two heroes of the podcasting world push forward dauntlessly. It is Seisei, the Lion of the Islands, and Hector, the Stormer of Walls, that set course to reforge the Sword of Motivation. It is I, the Chronicler, that will be the voice of a movement to unite muscleheads across all nations. Lend us your ears, as our two heroes invoke the ironclad will, the indomitable mindset, and the muscles that overcame great odds. Prepare for tales of high adventure. Our two heroes are talking some muscle.
welcome to the fitness podcast that puts the mind in the muscle and the muscle in your mind. I'm Hector Oliveira. He's Seisei Liwa. And today we're talking some Hulkamania. Seisei, what's going on? Man, you know, when the world comes tumbling down, bro, what are you going to do? Pick it up. Clean and press it over your head. I did this cheesy ass, uh, <laughs> did this cheesy ass Snapchat post the other day, or not the other day, a couple weeks ago, where I was like, when life gets heavy, you pick it up, put it over your head and squat with it. And I was doing like overhead squats and shit. Try to make myself feel all special. Try to be motivating. We got to try to be motivating in everything we do, I think. I think for the most part. I, agree. I mean, why would you even squat that anyways? Like I'm here and I, when I squat that weight over my head like that, the snatch squat or whatever that's called, it's a beast workout, but you never know when you're going to be in that position. You know what I'm saying? So I train. You never know when you're going to have to like catch a garage door falling or something you feel me or a boulder comes out of a, a cliff or something you gotta duck like indiana, that or, or indiana yeah. jones might need to get his hat from underneath the door that's coming down and you just get underneath it and go i got you indy dr jones no. i got you dr jones <laughs> you, know what I'm you know that's what's going through my my mind when i have to get that extra rep so yep. i feel you bro so we're here man so yeah we're gonna cover some hulkamania today and i think the key points are going to involve branding because Hulkamania was a brand that not only boosted three different industries, it also stood the test of time. And we're going to show you how to how that happened, how that all went down. So one thing that made Hulkamania such a lasting, successful, lucrative brand, say say, was his ability to sell the brand through an art known as the promo in professional wrestling. And for those of you who don't know what the promo is. Say, say, go ahead, give him a little example of what a promo sounds like. Well, you asked for it, brother, and you're going to get it. You want to know what a promo is? I'll tell you what a promo is. A promo is when you're asking too many questions, and I have to come down there and lay the law down and let you know who's the one that's asking questions, brother. It's me, your worst enemy. Preguntas. No promo. Well, you know something, Preguntas. I'm going to tell you something, brother. You come in here asking all these questions. You're like, hey, what do I, what am I going to do about my championship match? You know something, brother? You take your championship match, brother. You put it on the line against the one and only all-American, Mexican-American Hector Oliveira, brother. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and take that belt away from you, brother. I'm going to serve tacos on that belt, brother. You don't even know where I'm going to be coming from. I'm going to be coming from the left, the right, around the corner, brother. I'm going to wear a sombrero. Yeah. And it's all going to go down Thursday night. For those of you that want to see Preguntas versus the All-American, Mexican-American, buy your ticket and get down to the show. Yeah. So so that's cutting the promo, basically. Oh, man. Uh, buy a ticket dog, to that. Great, dog. I'll buy a ticket all to that American, fight. Mexican-American. <laughs> so that's cutting a promo, and that's actually how you make a sale. We're going to cover all that today and so much more. But first, we got a little re-racking to do. Re-rack that. What'd you right. do, what did we do this time, Hector? Did it all twice is what happened. So we got some re-racking to do from last week. Uh, I think the biggest mistake we made with the rudy episode which is also a cool episode i had fun doing that uh that episode it was, a, it was a fun experience to learn about the uh the struggle and the life and times of one rudy rudiger 
Uh, but we forgot one of the most important things, dude. He was the only football player in the history of Notre Dame to be lifted and carried off the field. The only one. Yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah. That's a good accomplishment right there. Yeah, hell yeah. Great job, Rudy. Yep. I've never, been, I've never been carried off the field. I don't know why. Well, shit. I mean, I don't know, bro. I don't want to make any kind of like jokes or you know <laughs> i think it's because i was just always so fucking sweaty dude i just sweat i was sweaty I, my uniform would be drenched in sweat get a grip on it bro yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the first thing that would happen i would slip right out of the hands it was crazy i don't even know i held down a girlfriend in high school i don't even know how that happened anyhow hmm. that's neither here nor there so we definitely forgot to mention that rudy was the only one to be carried off the field I apologize to Rudy Rudiger. That's a great accomplishment, man, to motivate and inspire so many people to actually see you as a person that needs to be glorified in that moment because of what you overcame. You know, that's good shit. We, we, you know, we should have when we go to a podcast convention, we should have all those motherfuckers carry us off the field, considering carry us out of the convention, considering the problems we've had with all of our tech stuff, and also considering we're fucking muscle heads. We don't know shit from fuck, like I said, about technology and all this machine, a pop filter, whatever it is. I thought a pop filter was somebody that worked in the porn industry until I found out it's a little thingy in front of your microphone. Anyhow, I digress. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm just saying, uh, you know, let's just keep our nose to the grindstone and just make sure that we recognize what we have. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. <laughs> I believe so. That's good advice. So, uh, Rudy getting carried off the field, one of the only players in Notre Dame history to be carried off the field, you are <laughs> re-racked. I mean, that was a pretty big re-rack, but that sounded like some, like, two and a half pounds. Like, that actually sounded like I dropped the the clips off of the bar. Like What it was was a shotgun re-racking, like, just grandma, <laughs> oh, yeah. grandma rocking back and forth on the porch. Just Actually, I have grandma right here in the background. And whenever I ask her to re-rack, I have to wake her up and go, hey, we're re-racking. Yeah. And she leans forward and... Racks it up. Uh, the only uh, the only other thing I think we have to re-rack from last week is, uh, you know, I've been getting a lot of feedback on citing our sources. Um, I feel like we need to do a better job at letting people know where we get our information from. Just know that we do a lot of Google searching. We like to pop everything into the Google machine, as our good friend Conrad Thompson says over on his podcast. So, yeah, that's where you're going to find us getting most of our information and the the backdoor part of that is Google actually flips us to Wikipedia. So a lot of our shit we get from Google, Wikipedia, and I would say Wikipedia is the main source of, of where I get a lot of this different. info. I heard different. <laughs> I get the word on the street. Hey, listen, listen, people. You want to know where I get my information from? You don't want to know because if I tell you, then I have to kill you. Yeah. That's right. You want to ask some questions? Well, I'm, I got a question for you, brother. What you gonna do? Right. No, nah, but you know, I think that's an easy answer. I right? everybody, I always make fun of that because that's like uh, a line from a movie. You know what I'm saying? I heard different. That's from uh, Training Day. But anyway, I think you you can speak through years of experience, Hector, on a lot of the stuff. All right, and I, I like the citing aspect. So we have to cite. So sorry about that. If we didn't cite, you know, that's my little two pennies right there, brother. You know what? Yeah, I agree with everything you say. We all have, I guess if you want to call it, passing conversations where people know a little bit more. and You hear things here and there. You can fact check it all you want. Today's information is primarily brought to you by Wikipedia and uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the uh, autobiography. I got a lot of info out of that. But um, yeah, 
I'll do a better job at letting people know where I get my shit. Other than that, re-racked. And if anyone wants us to go ahead and re-rack something we may have made a mistake on, something we left out, something you want us to correct, I would appreciate it if you shot us an email at talkingsomemuscle at gmail.com. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-S-O-M-E at gmail.com. Remember, there's no G because the only Gs are Say-Say and me. Hey. And also, if you want to hit us up on Instagram, you can DM us as well. We're, uh, we're pretty busy, guys, but we take the time to social media surf whenever we're uh, taking the time. I, I felt like you said like you're kind of like lying a little bit. Like, I'm a busy guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're helping you know, really fucking busy. We're busy, guys, but we take the time to social media surf. So hit us up on our new Instagram page that contains... A lot of beautiful episode art done by the one and only Seisei Liyua himself. Check us out at Talking Some Muscle. No spaces, no characters. Just Talking Some Muscle on the Instagram. Yeah. Remember, there's no G's in any of that. Just Talking Some Muscle. T-A-L-K-I-N-S-O-M-E. Muscle. I feel like it should be like dot .com. Like, I feel like that. I mean, it's not, but I mean, it always says like, <laughs> that's like a period at the end sometimes. Motherfucker, why are you trying to put extra shit on my plate? You're trying to make me just do this whole website already? <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to have to pay somebody for that. So, say, say, I feel like the gym floor is all nice and sparkly clean. We re-racked all our weights. We put away our resistance bands. Put away our kettlebells. What else did we put away? What else can you put away in, in the gym? Well, you know, I mean, if you could just uh, re-rack the squat bar. Re-rack the squat bar. We, we, uh, That'd be nice. I, I come boxes. from a gym where you re-rack your weights, but if I own my own gym, I would say that you can leave a 45 on there for me, right? Yeah. But as soon as I, as soon as like, maybe like a, if, if like a, a I want to say an old lady, but can you even say old lady nowadays? If a person who didn't have the capabilities to re-rack it wanted to use it, you'd have to like take it off for them or something, you know? Fucking pronouns, pal. What are you doing with those pronouns? Give me some pronouns. Anyway, it's time to... Muscle Up Buttercup. All right, so for my Muscle Up Buttercup this week, uh, we just finished a Mother's Day weekend. And as you're surfing all your social media pages, you see all these beautiful posts of people saying Happy Mother's Day to the mothers in their life. But then you come across that one fucking slapdick, that one guy that puts out a post about him being a single father. And during Mother's Day, he doesn't want people to forget about the single fathers out there. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So here's here's the here's my stance for what it's worth on that. Okay, it's cool that you're a single father and you're there, you're you're part of the kids' lives, but it's Mother's Day and there's a day for you. It's called Father's Day. Wait for that. You can't assume a certain level of acknowledgement or praise on Mother's Day, or you can't ask for it or try to extract it. Because the day is for mommies. And being a mother is completely different from being a father because I see what my wife goes through on a day-to-day basis with the kids. As much as you would like to think that kids love you and treat you the same, they don't. They expect different things from their mom. They expect different things from their dad. And not only that, the dad expects things from the mom as well. And there's just a lot of pressure put on moms out there, mommies. Not only pressure from the home, but also pressure from the outside. If you're a stay-at-home mom out there, there's a lot of this pressure to be a working professional mom. And you should think about yourself and what you want to do professionally and try to make a little more money, which is fine. It's respectable. Make more money from your family. But then there's also the the pressure of being a working professional mom 
and how much time you're spending away from home. There's just a lot you go through as a mom. That's just based on the fact that you're a mom. And if you're a dad out there saying, I need props on Mother's Day, fucking cut it out. Just don't do it. Wait till people look at you and say, Happy Father's Day because you are a father. And just chill the fuck out already. It's not cool. So single fathers out there trying to get credit on Mother's Day. Hey. Muscle up, buttercup. Muscle up, buttercup. It's going to hurt your feelings over here. You motherfuckers day. That's what you is. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cece, what you got for us on uh, on muscle up, buttercup? Man, you know, uh, I don't really complain about much, man. I would try not to without a solution, but... Somebody stole my bike, bro. They cut the, the clip. It was outside. It wasn't even really uh, a big deal that they stole the bike, but my, my neighbor had uh, I let him use it. That? It was just out there. It's been out there for a while, but my brother gave me that bike. Yeah, you can steal a bike, but, you know, it's just a symbolism, like, you know, so I'm, I wanted to be like, I'm coming for you, brother. I'm going to teach you some manners. Yeah, you want to steal my bike? My bike was supposed to be safe out there. I felt safe with that lock, but it lied. You lied to me. You stole my bike, bro. And I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you whether it's in the ring or on the streets. When I see you, if I see my bike, I'm coming for you. Woo! I'll buy a ticket to that fight. So to the person that <laughs> decided to go and steal Seisei's prized possession, the bike that his brother gifted him, and quite honestly, yeah. a representation of love and transportation and well-being. I want to say fuck you, motherfucker, but I'll just tell him to muscle up, buttercup. <laughs> the dude stole your bike, though, man. You got your bike stolen? Well, it's funny because, like, for a while, at least a year, I just uh, didn't ride it because every time I'd fill up the back tire, it would go flat. So then uh, one day I went down there and my neighbor... He had his bike stolen. He was telling me, man, my bike got stolen. And I was like, oh, well, here's mine over here. It has a flat tire, but if you want to use it, go ahead. He, he's like all into surfing and health, and I don't know. He's just always able to surf every morning, and he takes his bike, and he goes down to the surf spot here in OB. And uh, he always comes back, but he doesn't have his bike now, so I let him use that bike, and he fixed it right away, like – no problem. Mr. Miyagi status, dude. Just dude, Mr. Bike. Miyagi status, for real. And then, like, he up. tied it in the same place. And then I said, he's like, here, man, it's, it's available for you. So I started riding it again. And long story short, he left it out there. And I swear, this just happened, like, two days ago. Or just last weekend. Or, yeah, single day mile weekend. Like, it was crazy because I thought I heard him. I heard him. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's not like I was going to go out there and smash somebody. Because I have a 135-pound uh curl bar outside on my patio probably better i didn't go out there that's not i'm not mad that the bike was stolen i'm just you know i'm upset that yeah it was a gift yeah you could have you could have just came to me and asked me as a man to borrow my bike but since you had to take the liberty then unlock my lock then i'm gonna put you in a headlock you know something, brother? 
that bike to me represented a lineage of my family, brother. Yeah, I used to get on that bike and I used to pedal it down and get nourishment for my family, brother. I used to go to the store. I'd pick up bananas, brother. i put it on the handlebar. Yeah. Oh, yeah, brother. I would get bananas. I would get I would get protein bars and put it in the little basket in the back where my dog used to hang out back there, brother. Yeah. But now no more, brother. I can't do that no more, brother. And it's because of you, man. And I know who you are. I'm going to track you down. I know every inch of that bike, brother. From the chrome <laughs> handlebars to the custom grips to the tassels that hang off of the handles and flow in the wind, brother, that are true color like macho madness. Yeah. Let me tell you something. When I see you styling and profiling on my bike, I'm going to drop an elbow on your head so hard, brother. Your granddaddy's going to wake up and say, what was that bus that hit me, brother? Yeah, I'm coming for you. And nobody's going to stop me. No, no, no. And that's how I cut promos. <laughs> wow. Okay, so. Holy moly. You know, say, hey, how fun, how fun, how fucking fun is cutting a promo, dude? How much fun is that? Bro, it gets you pumped. It gets me pumped. It makes it, it's like a clear dividing line. Like, this is the message. You want to know what else is fun? Talking some Hulkamania. And that's what we're going to do today, man. Say, say. Let's talk some Hulkamania, man. When were you first exposed to Hulkamania? I was living in, had to be Tucson, Arizona, on base, on Davis Mountain Air Force Base. And we were on base housing. So I think there was like a little duplex and there was like a family next door. And we would like do summer slams and shit at the house. Like, you know, like rent that on pay-per-view or something. Yeah. I remember, I remember that for a brief time, and then when I was growing up, also, I, I started to remember the characters and actually understand the storylines, because I, I remember just seeing people flying around muscles, I'm like, yo, this is tight, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, that's the a holster, mm-hmm. so, just growing up, when I was living in Southern California, definitely ordered pay-per-view, Summer Slams, never really went to one live, but I was, I had the toys, man, I love the toys, dude, Yeah, they just, uh, it, was, nice. it was pretty dope, dude. Nice. Did you ever, uh... Go steal one of your sister's Barbies or something and had a macho man go up and be like, hey, listen, Barbie doll, I'm going to go ahead and take your clothes off. Yeah, then we're going <laughs> to I'm gonna drop an elbow off. Did you ever do anything like that? Nah. I, did, I mean, man. I didn't have a sister. A I, had, I had brothers. <laughs> but you did, though, huh? I always did that. The crazy thing, <laughs> though, about the, uh, about the Barbie dolls, the crazy thing about Barbie dolls is they're like five whole toys taller than the action figures that we played, that the boys played with. So... It was right? a difficult matchup. Uh, wow. That's deep, though. All right, Stacey, so I'm going to chat you up real quick about my first exposure to Hulkamania. So it probably happened for me probably about 1988. I think it was about four years old, right before kindergarten. I first saw Hulkamania. It was the WrestleMania 3 videotape. We rented a whole bunch of movies at one of my mom's friend's house. So it was like 1988 would have been a one year right after rest, that WrestleMania with Andre the Giant. You remember that match, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. You know, my first my first uh, thing with Hulkamania was him ripping his tank top off, man. I love that, dude. Like, Did everybody you ever wanted to, to try that, that I tried to do that shit, but it didn't work. I was like, ah, I can't do it. You got to, like, have a breakaway tank top, dude. He could sell that easily. But, uh, you know, I definitely remember him coming down the aisle. I just remember watching the pay-per-view events, you know, growing up as a child. That was my first exposure. Well, like, we, we painted our face with Ultimate Warrior, though, but we'd still just, like, yeah. love all that stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, hell yeah, yeah. Painting your face up, that, that's what made it fun. It made you feel like you're a part of it, which is what Hulkamania and Hulk Hogan used 
Hulkamania and Hulkamaniacs to bring people into it. So when I started watching it, it, was, it just seemed like something that was so just out there. I mean, I'm four years old. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. I was only on the planet for four years and to the extent of Sesame Street and cartoons. And you go from that to these huge dudes, one of them with like a cul-de-sac balding hair and yellow <laughs> yellow tights and, and uh, yellow boots and, and red knee pads. And the other guy, this guy named Andre the Giant, who literally was a giant. So it's like you start believing that giants are real and that there are real heroes out there. The match itself, nowadays when you watch it, and a lot of people in the wrestling community say it's one of the worst matches ever. A guy who works for a wrestling magazine named Dave Meltzer gave it like negative three stars or whatever. But fuck, people were excited about it. I mean, you got 92 or 93,000 people there. They set an indoor record. I don't know if I mentioned that, but they set an indoor attendance record of 93,000 at the Pontiac Dome with that match. I was reported 93. It was probably more like 68. And then they papered to get to like 72,000 or whatever. So it was exciting. Andre the Giant ends up putting Hulk Hogan in a bear hug. And this is what I remember. This is where Hulkamania got me. Put him in a bear hug and he's squeezing the life out of him. Hulk Hogan's, you know, dying. He's doing that thing where he's going to pass out because he can't breathe, right? The bear hug, the most vicious move in all of wrestling. It's just a fucking bear hug. Two guys squeezing each other. They had to sell the shit out of that move. Anyway, Hulk Hogan turns and looks to the camera and he reaches toward the camera in wrestling. They call it the hard cam. And he's going to pass out. So you're cheering. You're like, no, don't give up. Don't give up. Referee walks up to Hulk Hogan. He does a thing where if you lift the arm and it drops three times, then they lose the match, right? it's like fuck Hulk Hogan's gonna lose so you're screaming you're hoping and wishing and all of a sudden on that last drop Hulk Hogan doesn't let it drop he holds that finger in the air and starts shaking and hulking up does a Superman comeback but as a kid you feel a part of that as an adult you're like oh it's kind of lame but when I was a kid I felt like I was a part of that actually Hogan would give credit to the kids the Hulkamaniacs it was because of my Hulkamaniacs that I won the match and that's what brought you into it. That's what brought me into it. That's what made me a little Hulk Hogan fan to begin with. But, um, yeah, man, that's that was my first exposure. <laughs> nice. That is the shit that he's known for. <laughs> yep. All right, so Hulkamania is the fan craze slash cult following that was built around the legendary wrestler and household name Hulk Hogan. This branding of a performer would lead to merchandising campaigns, including T-shirts, action figures, exercise videos, random apparel items, health supplements, breakfast cereal, Ice cream. Did you ever eat one of those wrestling ice creams, say say? Oh, man. I'm trying to remember. I think so. They were like the ones with bubble gum in it or what? So the bubble gum, yeah, I think they might have had bubble gum. I don't know. I'm not sure. But the bubble gum ones were like Ninja Turtles and I think Super Mario one. But I always wanted one of those wrestling ice creams. I wish someone could just bring me one, buy me one, send me one. Anybody out there in the internet world, send me a freaking, send me an ice cream. <laughs> so pretty much from posters to pasta... That's legit, too. Look up Pasta Mania, for those of you who have Google functionality. From posters to pasta, Hulkamania was running wild and generating a ton of revenue. Now, let's not forget the dozens and dozens of movies. Well, remember those Hulk Hogan movies? <laughs> the half a dozen movies. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> He had some He had some movies, dude. He was getting on it. He was getting his Hollywood acting in. He was like half a, half a dozen. He had that television series called Thunder in Paradise with the boat. You remember that one? Not, not, not off the top of the head. Thunder in Paradise was a made-for-television series that was just a shit show. Look it up for those of you who don't know. Go look it up. It's, fair. It's, it's pretty damn funny. Now, all of these were made to try to tap into the fan frenzy that Hulkamania accumulated during its rocket ship ride to the top of the wrestling business. Yo, it looks like a, it looks like a Baywatch for Navy SEALs, dog. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
<laughs> right? That's actually, you know, it's funny that you say that because uh, <laughs> Baywatch for Navy SEALs. It's funny that you say that because it was actually the same producer and I think one of, some of the writers from Baywatch did this show. It's funny. Those, that's a pretty astute <laughs> observation there, my friend. Well, I'm just saying it looks like, I mean, everybody knows how to swim for the Navy still, so I don't know what the hell they're doing, but. <laughs> no, they had a wow. boat. But you got to think about, you got to think about. Who's going to carry the boat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I forget his name. Let's see if you can look up his name, for the character he played in that show. Oh, look, it says two ex-Navy SEALs <laughs> mercenaries. Work as mercenaries with the help of a high-tech boat. Okay. Yeah, the high-tech boat. That was Thunder. Yeah, but Knight Rider could go it's, everywhere, do everything. All all a bad guy has to do is pretty much move to Idaho, and they're fucking cool, because how's Thunder going to get to Idaho? Thunder in, in Paradise. How do you find out the name? We just pretty much handle the bad guys in Paradise, dude. Well, you know something, Gino. All the bad guys that try to make Paradise less paradise we're going to go ahead and run wild on them. <laughs> kind of limits, kind of limits your plot strategies, right? How often are you going to like find a waterway to get thunder into like an area to fight fucking bad guys? You know what I mean? Randolph, Randolph J. Hurricane Spencer is the one Hulk Hogan played. Hurricane Spencer, dude. Hurricane Spencer. <laughs> All right. So here's the, here's the thing that not a lot of people know is the actual rise of Hulkamania arced from 1982 until about 1984's culmination where Hulk Hogan would win the WWF title and Hulkamania would become the flagship brand for Vince McMahon Jr.'s new vision or, or Vincent K. McMahon's vision for the wrestling business of the future. Well, uh, what's that What's that one boxer's name, Deontay? Deontay Wilder? Yeah. Wilder. He'd be like, to this day! To this day! To this day! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how Hulk Hogan's brand lasts. Hell yeah. To this day! It is to this day! So the wrestling business at the time was hurting and falling apart under a structure of regional territories that spanned predominantly throughout southeastern, midwest, and north and the northeast. Now these territories were all governed under the NWA, which is the National Wrestling Alliance. And Vince McMahon saw an opportunity to revolutionize the business by creating a national territory. So there was a new crazy thing coming out in the early 80s called cable television. People were able to watch nationally broadcast programs from anywhere and there was also a new event broadcasting system called pay-per-view that was hitting the scene in a big way in the late 70s early 80s so Vince McMahon also created a network of multimedia extensions around his new brand of pro wrestling that he would call sports entertainment so Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan and a changing pro wrestling industry would cement Hulkamania into a nine-year reign over pro wrestling and a merch campaign that was just wildly lucrative. Basically, Is it merch or merch? Merch. Merc. Merc and merch. Basically, they made more fucking money than any other thing in the business. To but, this day! To this day! But Hulkamania did not start with the WWF and Vincent K. McMahon like everybody thinks. Hulkamania was actually built up under a series of events that Vince McMahon would capitalize on and pretty much put all but one of the territories out of business. As we cover this, keep in mind that this is this all went down at the same time as the health club boom. So there are a lot of parallels between the growth of Hulkamania's brand, pro wrestling's brand, and the fitness industry. So keep your fitness minds astute and alive. But Hulkamania also utilized the draw and energy of the fitness industry to create a movement that made you feel like you were a part of a cause. Just by following his three demandments. One, take your vitamins. Two, say your prayers. And number three train. Hogan would refer to his workout sessions as hanging and banging. 
which I feel like is the 1980s version of Netflix and Chill, right? Next time you wow, <laughs> next time you want chilling. Netflix and Chill has their has their thing. We should just call it. Hang- what do we open up a gym called Hanging and Banging? That's very interesting. I mean, <laughs> is there gonna be movies though? <laughs> he would also say yeah. clanging and banging at one point, but I also feel like that's a way that you can describe a hot chick. It's like, man, what does she look like? <laughs> that girl was clanging and banging. So as as we move through this, we're gonna we're gonna bounce around a little bit. We're gonna bounce around a little bit, but here's the fast version of how Hulkamania really happened. So let's rewind to 1977, where Terry Jean Balea, aka Hulk Hogan, begins training. And wrestling for Eddie Graham in Florida. Now let's fast forward to 1979. In 1979, the big wrestling territory up north, the WWWF Worldwide Wrestling Federation, ran by Vincent J. McMahon Sr., so Vince McMahon's daddy, signs Hulk Hogan. He sees him. He's like, I want you on my squad, buddy. You're a big dude. You got a good look. Let's get you going. So he starts wrestling as a heel, which is a bad guy, right? So they say, heels are bad guys. We covered this. But he never really catches on uh, as a major drawer sensation. Uh, but there's still interest there. I mean, the dude was 6'6", 305 pounds. He wrestled under these names. Now, when I give you these names, say, say, I want you to tell me which one is a porn star name, which one is Hulk Hogan's name, one of his original names, his first wrestler, what are called working names. So which one's a porn star name, which one's Hulk Hogan's working name, and which one's a 1970s min cologne? Okay, you ready? Here we go. Ready? Yes. The Super Destroyer. Porn name, Hulk Hogan name, or Men's Cologne? That is the Men's Cologne. Nope, that was one of Hulk Hogan's <laughs> working names. All right. Damn. Number two. Terry I used to Bo- say I'm Super Killer Destroyer. <laughs> 2000, whatever year it was. Like I started in 2011. I always have to update it. My Super Killer Destroyer 2017, bro. You just got to start throwing 2K in there, like everything else. 2K. Just go 2K20, and then you won't have to worry about it until 2K20. You know what I mean? I got you. SDK220. All right, so the next one, Terry Boulder. Is that a porn star name, a cologne, (laughs) 1970s men cologne name, or a Hulk Hogan wrestling name? Terry Boulder. I feel like it's a trick question, so I'm going to go men's cologne (laughs) again. Nope, Terry Boulder was one of his wrestling names. However, that would be... I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. If I ever crack into the uh, porn industry or, or male stripping, some dick dancing, I'll definitely go by the moniker Terry Boulder. Okay, name number three. This one's this is fucking, this is for real, dude. Ready? Sterling Golden. Is that a men's cologne? A porno name? <laughs> Sterling Golden. <laughs> if, I, if I ever wanted to uh, guess cologne, it'd be right now, but uh, man, I got I to gotta go porn star name then. Nope, that was one of Hulk Hogan's wrestling names. All right. Hey, this guy. In what movie? All right, Mr. Mr. America. Is that a porn name, a cologne, or so a 1970s cologne, or a Hulk Hogan's work wrestling name? I'm going to go Hulk Hogan's name. Yeah, that was was correct. That is correct. (laughs) Oh, damn, hell yeah. That was a wild guess because damn sure it smells like a 1970s cologne. It does, right, Mr. America? Get your bottle of Mr. America and show him what being a patriot smells like. Smells like Hulk Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) After hanging and clanging and banging. Hey, dude, you want to hang and bang with your girl? Spray on some Mr. America and show him how we do it here in the States, brother. 
Uh, <laughs> Alright, the last name is okay, is this a porn name, a Hulk Hogan working wrestling wrestling name, or is it a nineteen seventies men cologne? The Hulk machine. Dude. <laughs> that's gotta be that's gotta be Hulk Hogan, bro. That's yeah, gotta it's, be it's one of his I'm, working I'm, names. But <laughs> if you can put if you can put a list of names together that would sound like porn names or, or cologne names, that's it. But you know what we have to do is we have to get some of these fucking names and actually make some fragrances out of them. Yeah. My favorite Balea. fragrance. Balea. Actually, yeah, I like uh, I like I like that uh, movie Anchorman whenever they're going through the clones. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Fantana sprays on Sex Panther, which, by the way, I think Sex Panther, I think that's that's what I'm going to officially name my dick. So everybody out there, my dick is oh called Sex gosh. Panther. And here's why. Here's why I'm going to call my dick <laughs> Sex Panther. <laughs> I'm naming my dick Sex Panther because <laughs> because 60% of the time it works every time. Oh, wow. Dude, that's even worse than I thought. <laughs> you better eat your vitamins. You better eat your vitamins. All right. If you don't eat your vitamins, you're going to be all hanging, no clanging, no banging. No banging. So after he goes through those fucking weird-ass names, he gets the name Hulk doing, or the nickname Hulk, doing a TV show where he was side-by-side -side with Lou Ferrigno people in the wrestling business around him saw him they're like you're bigger than incredible hulk you're the hulk that's your nickname so moving forward they went with hulk machine and then uh in the wwwf they wanted to have him appeal to the irish community so they put the last name hogan on him and then it's all said and done from there now in 1982 sylvester stallone reached out and got hulk hogan to do a brief cameo as thunderlips another fucking that would be an awesome cologne name thunderlips get yourself a bottle of thunderlips Thunderlips. On Rocky 3. You remember that when he showed up on Rocky 3 as Thunderlips? I thought it was Thunder Thighs. Thunder Buddy. Thunder Buddies. That'd be a good tag team wrestling name. So the important thing about that was he got national notoriety. He was on screen with Sylvester Stallone looking a lot bigger than Sylvester Stallone. And he was seen as an A-lister, even though he's just a wrestler in the WWF. Rewind, let's pump the brakes. Vince McMahon Sr. gets pissed because Hulk Hogan misses dates or he has to miss dates to film this and he fucking fires the soon-to-be hottest star in, in the whole wrestling business. So he releases him. Hogan goes ahead and says, you know what, I'll take being fired. I'm going to go shoot Rocky Three. It's going to give me some exposure. But when he's done with Rocky Three, he needs a job. You know, you can't live off of fucking Thunderlips money. You got to make Hulkamania money and that's got to happen. So he goes to work for Vern Gagne in the AWA which is a northern territory because we're in 1982, we're still in the territory times. Uh, WWF hasn't gotten big. It's about to, though. It's about to go off. So he goes to work for Vern Gagne in the, in the northern territory, like in the Minnesota area. Now, Vern Gagne is a well-known, well-respected, successful wrestling promoter that no one really fucks with because they appreciate and respect him. He trained Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Ric Flair. So he's trained some big names. But here's the thing, Hulk Hogan comes back from filming Rocky 3 and his performance gets him popular and people actually start cheering him instead of booing him, even though he comes back as a bad guy, right? So Vern Gagne is like, well, fuck it, if they want to cheer him, let's turn him babyface, which is a good guy, we talked about that earlier, let's turn him babyface. So look at this, you got a guy so, who's... So hold on, you're saying, you're saying Hulk Hogan came out as a bad guy, like, what was his name, Hulk Hogan, but... I don't yeah. remember any pictures of him from being starting off as a bad guy. 
Yeah, he was a bad guy. He he uh, he was definitely a heel first. They they ran him as a heel, but the crowd was cheering him because they actually liked him from Rocky. His walkout music was "Eye of the Tiger," which is oh, a yeah, fucking well, yeah. great song, right? So how are you going to boo somebody as a bad guy who's walking out to "Eye of the Tiger," right? Let's see what's going on. You you probably get a reaction out of somebody just playing the song "Eye of the Tiger." You just play yep. it in the room. People get yeah, extra two laps out of "Eye of the Tiger." Shoot. Dun, dun, dun. There's a little like. Rising up! Stop it, dog! You're making me excited right now. I can't help it. When I hear the music, I go insane. So yeah, Eye of the Tiger is definitely going to get a crowd reaction. The song makes the fans go even crazier. Now the wrestling business. Let's let's go a little inside the business. So the wrestling business calls a loud reaction to something, or a raucous reaction when they get up and cheer. They call that a pop. P-O-P, pop. So the crowd pops. You ever pop a crowd before, Stacey? Only when I pop the football loose out of somebody That'll on the field. Hulk Hogan becomes known for his crowd pops. Wherever he goes, every every city, every venue they play, just these crazy loud pops. He has that great promo that you and I talk about, having a energy-filled, engaging promo that gets people to buy tickets. And so with all that notoriety and that energy developing, the Hulkamania moniker is put on this fan frenzy, this crazy thing that's happening in the AWA. And now the people feel like they're a part of something. Hulk Hogan acknowledges, acknowledges that and calls them his Hulkamaniacs. But what I'm going to do right now also is play you another important piece of why Hulkamania got so successful. He actually ended up on Johnny Carson's show. And you had Johnny Carson putting over Hulkamania. Like, if you can get Johnny Carson today to put over your product, you will sell millions. I'm going to go ahead and play this video. All right, here we go. Here's play. Uh, what do I call you? Uh, Hulk, Mr. Hogan? Uh, Mr. Your Honor, Mr. sir? Mr. Hogan will be fine, definitely. Mr. Hogan. Uh, how, how many wrestling fans do we have out here? All right. Do you know, do you know anything about Hulkamania? Hulkamania? Hulkamania. Uh, if you want me to. <laughs> What is Hulkamania? Well, Hulkamania is the newest thing, Johnny. It's the thing that is sweeping the country. I'm sure some of these guys over here might know about it. Look how big he is compared to Johnny Carson, dude. That was I can see them rolling out the marketing right now. Like, it's just a genius. Yep. It's like, it's awesome. Follow the leader. Everybody does what the Hulkster does. It's like truth, justice, and the Hulk Hogan way. Right. And I hope today that we may be able to demonstrate or do a few things with you. So, absolutely. Yep, there it is. Who doesn't like truth and justice? And the and the Hulk Hogan way. When you think about TV shows to get on to give your to give your product notoriety and presence, think about how like, important it is. Think about how important it is to have Johnny Carson do something like that for you. Hell yeah, that's big. All right, so let's let's switch gears again real quick. And since we covered the Hulkamania bit that it started in the AWA, so we covered that. Let's actually dig into the wrestling biz. Let's take like. Not only, not even a minute to cover it real quick. So the pro wrestling biz from 1977 to the birth of Hulkamania in 1984. So during the rise of Hulkamania, the pro wrestling biz was split up into regional territories and it was governed by the NWA. And the NW champs were normally Ric Flair or Dusty Rhodes or one of those types. And they traveled through the territories to help the territories draw money so that way the wrestlers make money. So it was kind of like the Game of Thrones setup where you had Westeros Seven Kingdoms. And I don't know if you probably don't watch Game of Thrones. A lot of people don't. I do. It was kind of set up like Game of Thrones where you had the Seven Kingdoms and then the oh, Iron yeah. Throne. Yeah. The Iron Throne was pretty so much... So much of life is set up like Game of Thrones, <laughs> I assume. Because it's just like 
Bitch, that's your kingdom. This is my kingdom. Oh, I want your kingdom. I'm going to fuck you up. That's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was like, actually. That's what Vince McMahon was doing when, when this all went down. So pretty much whoever sat on the Iron Throne was the NWA champion. So Ric Flair would travel around and help the territories make a little bit of money. Dusty Rhodes would. Dusty Rhodes, baby, I'm going to come help your territory make a little bit of money, baby. Because they had drugs. good as And they would also, these champions, uh, the NWA champion would also travel to Japan. They would go make money in the New Japan territory as well. Um, but this was at a time where no one could really see what was going on because there wasn't an internet. Cable television really wasn't there. No one could see what the fuck was going on in Japan. You had to wait till a videotape came out and made it to the sea or made it to made it to the States years later. So no one knew what was going on there. So they could travel around and make their money. But the way we were viewing our, our, our uh, programs and our sports was starting to change, right? So revenue back then in the wrestling territories was all built off of live show ticket sales in-house merch sales, house size. So there was a real uh, push in the in the territories to get people to come to the shows. Intercable television and the pay-per-view. So once you add that to the mix, it changes it. People don't have to go to the live show to see their stars. They could see them on TV if they want to, if they just do a pay-per-view or if you create a television deal. So it changed how people were consuming the product. The problem is the uh, wrestling territories which were predominantly throughout the southern states. We had some in the west, but it was southern, midwest, and northeast. They were they were predominantly live show uh, oriented, and they really didn't keep up with the times. They weren't really built to to do all the uh, pay per view and live or pay per view and cable television spots. So what Vince McMahon saw this as is a chance for him to sharp angle create relationships and develop a new business or a new brand and a new way to make money in the wrestling business but you had to have a couple things you had to have your national stars right so if vince if vince mcmahon exists in in game of thrones he's daenerys targaryen right you have to have your dragons so he had his dragons what he had was the new york market which is a big dragon to have if you want to make money he had the new york market so the dragons well, yeah, Cities of the Dragons, but I guess your big money makers, cash cows, are what you need to have to adapt to the to the changes in the industry. So he had the New York market. He had Andre the Giant, which was a big draw, huge draw. He just needed that third dragon. He needed a big dragon to kind of cement his his presence in the new market, the new way people were consuming wrestling. So he needed a national star. And this is where we fast forward to 1984. Okay, so Vince McMahon's Daenerys Targaryen vision was to rule over all of the wrestling territories, not the NWA. He said, I'm going to go ahead and separate myself from the NWA and I'm going to get all the wrestlers to come work for me by creating a a business giant that's going to use pay-per-view, cable television, merchandising, syndication. So all these different pots, he's going to basically diversify his money-making power and draw talent away from the territory so he can still keep uh, making money in those territories. But he needed that third dragon, and that's when he goes to Hulk Hogan to ask him to come work for him. At the time, Hulk Hogan was returning from Japan when he gets signed in in late 1983, early 1984. Vince McMahon lays it all out for him. They sign a million-dollar contract, which is what Hogan said in his biography, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But what was the kicker for Hulk Hogan was the way Vince McMahon spoke about merchandise 
and different ventures involving a Saturday morning cartoon that I've actually seen the Hulk Hogan Saturday morning cartoon special. That was a, if, if you, if you've never seen it, just fucking put it in YouTube. That shit is classic. What also kind of sealed the deal for Hulk Hogan was the fact that Vince McMahon had a vision to change pro wrestling from pro wrestling to this new thing he would call sports entertainment. So it opened up different avenues of revenue and Hulk Hogan was on board. So here's here's the thing. Vince McMahon sees the value in Hulk Hogan's national drawing power, but Hulk Hogan was still with Vern Gagne in, in Minnesota, so he was still signed under contract with Vern Gagne. So how do you make that move? Because Vern Gagne is respected in the wrestling business. If you pretty much screw somebody like that, then you're you're disrespected. You kind of lose your own personal respect in the wrestling business. So how do you make that decision? Hulk Hogan justifies this decision, and this is how... This is how crazy the wrestling business is and how much uh, draw power Hulk Hogan had off of merch and everything. So when Hulk Hogan was in Japan, Vern Gagne made up Hulkamania t-shirts and sold them without giving any money to Hulk Hogan. So Hulk Hogan justifies the move to the WWF because of some t-shirt sales that he did not receive. I think it was more about that fuck money. What do you think, Cece? Well, it sounds like to me that wrestling, like people always say life is like a, like a football game or life is a football or life is like a game of Monopoly. But it seems to me that the WWE or the WWF back then is, is what like, is like a perfect parallel for what's going on now. So you talk about bootleg shirt sales, just off the dude's name brand. We got everybody out here trying to brand themselves. You know what I'm saying? And then you got good business and bad business practices. Like if you if you start walking out on contracts, anybody mess with you, that's like a life lesson, bro. Like you know, it's almost like WWE is life, bro. Like I believe in the same thing, man. You could definitely draw a lot of parallels from that to the fitness industry. I like to look at these sides of the business of of all these different stores or this side of the business of like something like wrestling or even professional sports because there's always a lesson in there for us how how we want to conduct our own business and how we want to conduct ourselves professionally. And you could actually learn a lot about writing up a fucking contract by listening to how pro wrestlers engaged in business because they're currently considered independent contractors, which means they're constantly writing up an independent contract. So it's just kind of how it goes down. Yeah. So yeah, it, it they they signed the deal. Vince McMahon needed his national uh, notoriety because once again, if you're trying to get cable television and pay per views across the nation, you need somebody who's known across the nation. So they put the moniker of being from Venice Beach, California. So you're pretty much putting a star in New York with roots in California that is also known across the nation because of his territory power. He, he became the champion and Hulkamania started in Minnesota. So it's fucking brilliant. So right after they sign, Vince McMahon puts the title on him in January of 1984. He beats Iron Sheik for the WWF championship of the world and he becomes the flag bearer for the company that right there that's where the rain begins and it would start a rain from 1984 to about 1982 where hulk hogan was the main event at the first wrestlemania alongside with mr t more national notoriety right they set an indoor attendance record at the pontiac silverdome in 1987 wrestlemania 3 where he would face off uh, with andre the giant in the main event for the heavyweight title, right? He would also headline almost every single major live event for fucking almost 
was that almost 10 years, eight years, he would headline almost every single major event. And the, the wrestlers were okay with it because if he was at a show, they were getting bigger payoffs, higher pay-per-view buys, more people at the show. So you got a bigger gate. You're going to get paid more if you're an undercard guy. So for somebody who's wrestling sec- first in the match where he would normally get, I don't know, maybe $500 for the match, he was probably getting $2,000 that night because Hogan was on the show. So of course you're going to be okay with it. Fuck, if Hogan's the main eventer, I'm going to try to work that show. So Hogan, um, so Hulk Hogan actually does get some heat or some negative response from the wrestling community because of how he got to the top and because he's not considered that great of a wrestler. He's, you know, he's a big dude. He just throws a bunch of forearms and then a leg drop. You can pretty much summarize all of his matches with Hogan starts strong. The bad guy or the heel rolls out of the ring, takes a powder. Then the bad guy comes back in, figures out a way to cheat and fucks Hogan. Hogan's hurt for a little bit. Then he does a Superman comeback, hulks up. And then he points at him, big boot, leg drop, one, two, three. That's pretty much Hogan's match in 10 seconds. All of his matches are like that. So he's not the greatest wrestler, but national notoriety, cut a promo. The guy was business. He was money. Print money with that guy. So WWF, now WWE, would rise to power under Hulk Hogan. And the rest is, as they say, history, man. Right, what do you think about Hulkamania's rise to power, the brand's rise to power? I love it, man. It's a... Uh still a good brand to me even if you put hollywood hulk or however you want to flip it just trying to dip it into the extra people who like the dark side i don't know how many people switched over but it was hulk hogan yeah Uh, i like the brand man i mean shoot i don't care if anybody hates on him whatever you want to whatever you want to hate on him it sounds to me like it was 40 percent his his doing and 60 percent of something else is doing you know yeah well you actually all the crowd you know when you get your when your body (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah well you actually did you actually did a great segue for us right now because the the next segue is actually the rebirth which takes place 1994 to 2002 so in 1992 hulk hogan or, or hulkamania died off the fans were getting a little bit older there were other wrestlers hitting the scene the new generation your bret hart's and Shawn michaels and everybody like that so hulk hulkamania died off but in 1994 hulkamania would have a rebirth so eric bischoff from the wcw would reach out to hulk hogan using, uh, I guess, via Ric Flair and another wrestler, they would reach out to Hulk Hogan. They would actually get him to come to WCW. He would sign a crazy lucrative deal, multi-million dollar deal, another one. And then they turn him heel. So they turn him bad guy. He turns into Hollywood Hulk Hogan. They form this thing called the NWO. And I'm fast forwarding through all this, leaving out a whole bunch of shit, but it's okay. Just stay along for the ride. They form the NWO, which is called the New World Order. That t-shirt would be the highest grossing t-shirt in wrestling history until the Austin 316 shirt, of course. You remember the NWO and Austin 316 shirts? Which side are you on, Cece? Oh, man. I mean, I like both, man, because NWO just stands for New World Order, man. And it's right. like different political, you know, things, political, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> yep. But the Austin 316 shirt was was uh, pretty popular, too. I remember seeing that all over school. There were so many kids wearing that Austin yeah. 316. There were a lot of NWO shirts. And believe it or not, the other day I was buying an action figure or something for my son, and I saw a replica belt that had the NWO spray painted on it. So they're still selling merch from something that happened. How long ago was that? This was 25 years ago. 25 years ago. Crazy. Lasting power. So highest grossing t-shirt, more merch sales. The other thing about that is the WCW, so the rival wrestling company, which was the only surviving production to come out of the territories, 
So the WCW would end up dominating the WWF. So the, the company that pretty much killed all the territories and changed the business, because Hulk Hogan switched, and I know there are a lot of things people in the wrestling community probably say, well, there was other stuff going on. It was Hall and Nash. It was a different time. But because Hogan switched and then turned heel or turned into a bad guy, they dominated WWF for 83 weeks in the uh, television Nielsen ratings. So they went head-to-head. It began the Monday Night Wars. So you're either watching Monday Night Nitro, the WCW product, or you're watching Monday Night Raw, the WWF product. But more people for 83 weeks, and it was by an astronomical amount, more people were watching the Nitro product or the WCW product. And all of it had to do with just bringing Hulk Hogan over. Hulkamania would actually end up, or Hulk Hogan, the brand of Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania, Hollywood Hogan, it would survive the eventual disintegration and downfall of WCW because that business wasn't going to last for a while. It It was on the way down. Everybody knew it. And Hulk Hogan would end up coming back to WWF because Vince McMahon, once again, he wanted to own everything. He bought the rights to WCW and most of their athletes. So in WrestleMania 18, you have, who's the biggest star? Just... If I, if I just ask off the top of your head, who do you think is the biggest star to ever come out of professional wrestling? The Rock. The Rock, exactly. So in 2002, a WrestleMania main event was The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. So 25 years later, 25 years later, he's still main eventing the biggest event in sports entertainment, WrestleMania, with the biggest star. And here's the crazy shit about that. He went into that as a bad guy. He went into that as Hollywood Hogan. But what people wanted in that match was Hulkamania. They were chanting Hulk Hogan's name. They were Everybody knew what was going on. It was in Toronto. It was WrestleMania 18. I would say purchase or do a 30-day trial on the WWE Network. This isn't an ad for them because they don't give us any fucking money. Do the trial just to watch WrestleMania 18. The Rock versus Hollywood Hogan and the nostalgia you get from the crowd. The way Hogan does that match brings so many like old memories of when you watched him as a kid, if you ever watched him. But he's doing this as the Hollywood Hogan character. So even standing as a bad guy in front of The Rock, people would want to see Hulkamania. To think in front of The Rock, people want to see Hulkamania more than they want to see The Rock. But now today, you want to see The Rock in movies, right? It's weird how the wrestling industry works. You don't want to see Hulk Hogan in a movie, that's for sure. We all know from his fucking long list of movies. Santa Claus with muscles. Crazy shit, man. And what's it's, the, the, um, it's the Hulk Illuminati, bro. He passed the torch over, but what he was really doing was allowing The Rock to get his street cred and go into Hollywood. That's exactly Because that's anything exactly that Hulk touches goes mania. It's the Hulk, Hulk dust, baby. The Hulk does, baby. I'll sprinkle it on you, bro. So here's here's the rundown. Hulkamania survived being fired in 1982, right? He was fired. It also survived some shitty-ass movies, right? Even though he did tons of movies in the entertainment business, it survived movies that include a list that ranges from No Holds Barred to Santa Claus with Muscles. What was it? Suburban yeah. Commando? <laughs> I don't know, but it, it, was, uh, it was really amazing on how he could do that. Yeah, right? Survive that. That's how you know it's the Illuminati, bro. It is the Hulk Illuminati. The, the uh, steroid trial. Survived a steroid trial. Eventual rejection by the fan base that held him near and dear for nearly 15 years. And then being released by the WWF in 93. It also survived. This is something we didn't talk about. When he's wrestling The Rock here, he's well into his 40s. 
So it survived the rigors of aging and also becoming irrelevant as you get older. A lot of people feel like as you age, you know, you start to become irrelevant. It survived the sinking ship and eventual fall of WCW, the last remaining wrestling production out of the territories. And he also survived some recent legal issues and negative press and was welcomed back to the WWE fold. I don't know, Stacey. I think that puts a bow on our Hulkamania episode. What do you think? You'll never be able to put a bow on me, brother. <laughs> but before we do that, uh, we talked about Hulk Hogan's ability to cut a freaking promo, man. He was one of the best at it. But if you ever get a chance, go to YouTube, put in Hulk Hogan promo and just watch his promos. Laugh your ass off. He has a few with uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. The Ultimate Warrior promos are funny as shit, too. But before we go, we're going to entice you to a little treat here. Ooh, we're going to go ahead and do a little something special for you. Yeah. Seisei and I are going to go ahead and cut you guys some promos. We're going to play a little game. I'm going to give Seisei something to cut a promo as, and I'll do the opposite. I'll do it back to him. All right. So and this will also show you guys how difficult wrestling is. So as I lay these out, you guys should try to cut a promo in your head too. How you would say, what would you say? All right. Say, say, I want you to try to cut a promo as a plumber trying to unclog a toilet. So you're cutting a promo as a plumber on a clogged toilet. What are you going to do to that toilet? Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, ma'am. Oh, wait, there's no ma'ams in wrestling. But I still don't understand why you got a clog, so I'm going to unclog it for you. I'm going to stick my, I'm gonna stick my snake in your drain, and I'm going to unclog that clog. Yeah. I mean, everything really has like Macho Man or fucking Hulk Hogan to me, bro. So yeah, <laughs> I just that makes sense. I'm okay try to with change that. the lingo. That makes sense. I'm okay. Uh, all right, cut a promo as a former porn star turned wrestler that's about to fight an evil clown. <laughs> I see you over there. <laughs> you gonna, you gonna? I'm gonna bring you over here to Daddy's room. I'm gonna give you a spanking. I'm gonna. Spank that little wig off you. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'll do the. Yo, these I'll do are the, kind of familiar. I'll do the evil clown. I'll do the evil clown. Ready? Ready? <laughs> it's Bubbles, and I'm here to tell you that I don't like what you're filming, <laughs> and I'm gonna put a stop to it. <laughs> Wow, dude, that, that was actually pretty scary. <laughs> Holy crap. I quit. Why do we even continue to do this? The podcast lives on. All right, here we go. All right, ready? I want you to cut a promo um, as a... Uh, I want you to cut a promo as a cocaine dealer about to fight a male stripper in a ladder match. Ready? Go. <laughs> I can't even... Did you say a cocaine dealer? You're, yeah, you're a cocaine dealer about to fight a male stripper in a ladder match. Let me let me tell you something, man. <laughs> let me tell you something, okay? Exactly. What I, I told you to meet me there. I told you to meet me in the middle of the ring, okay? Just you by by yourself, okay? Yeah. I don't want to see no goons. I don't want to see nobody, okay, Chico? <laughs> what the? I had to turn my mic yeah. off. Bro. I was laughing my ass off. All right. I'll be the male stripper. Listen, I already told you that I was going to give you your money after I worked this Thursday night. You didn't have to get mad. You didn't have to wreck my house. I saw what you did to my penthouse suite on Miami Beach, and I didn't like it. I work hard for my money on that stage. Men, women, children, doesn't matter. I'll strip for all of them. 
That's where I do all my partying, damn it. When you come through my penthouse suite and break my heart, I'm the one who breaks hearts around here. And that's why when we get that ladder in the middle of the ring, brother, in the middle of the ring, I'm going to climb up it better than you because I'm used to climbing poles and sliding down them. And I do it for dollar, dollar bills, y'all. And we're going to do it. We're going to have some fun. And I'm not going to pay you after the match. Because once you get the payoff from the match, that's more than enough for you to supply me for the next year, brother. I'll see Damn. you after the match. So that was my, that was my uh, stripper. All right, so cut a promo as a pizza delivery guy that always delivers in 20 minutes or less. <laughs> <laughs> I got your order up right now. It's coming out hot. I'm coming in hot and ready. And you're going to get that butt whooping within... 30 seconds or it's free <laughs> 30 second butt whooping or it's free i love it all right i'll do, I'll do the guy who you delivered late <clears throat> this is the guy you 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 didn't deliver in 20 minutes or less i saw on the side of your door that all pieces are delivered in 20 minutes or less and you know what you came in 25 minutes i got a family of five to feed that's one thing that a pizza can do that i can't do because i ain't got no goddamn job so you better bring my pizza in under 20 minutes, and I'm going to come after you. And not only am I going to get pizza, but I might take your delivery car. Because once again, I ain't got no goddamn job, and I need to go get a job using your goddamn car. I'm taking all your pizzas, and I'm going to feed my family with them, because I can't. And that's the bottom line. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I, I'm going to start this next one off. It's going to be a promo. I'll do this one. I'll lead the way. I'm going to cut a promo as a mom on Mori Povich trying to convince... Her boyfriend, that he is the father. Look at that baby. Look at that picture. You look at it. He's got your eyes. He's got your nose. He's got your hair. He's got that stupid empty look, that vacant parking lot look in his eyes. He looks like you. That baby looks stupid. Everybody, don't you think that baby looks stupid like his daddy? Look how stupid his daddy is over there sitting. That baby's probably not even going to be able to pay his bills just like you, you stupid daddy. That's definitely your baby. I don't even like that kid anymore, just like I don't even like you. I don't even know why I'm keeping him around. You know what? You could just take him off my hands because you know you is the daddy. You was the only one that I was with when I got when we when I when I got pregnant with that child of yours. You know that you're the daddy. Everyone in here knows that you're the daddy. Mean Gene Oakland knows that you're the daddy. How else am I gonna explain this to my family when you don't even want to be the daddy of your own kids? You should be ashamed of yourself. Good daddies all across the world. You should be ashamed of yourself. You don't even want to be responsible for your own baby. What a shame. You know what? I challenge you to a Who's Your Daddy death match Saturday night at the Sportatorium. Everybody be there. I'm going to beat this daddy's ass. All right. So that's my promo. Well, you see, you see pretty good at that one, yeah. <laughs> so that's my promo as a mommy on Mori Povich. No promo. No promo. Now you gotta you got to do a rebuttal. Now you got to be – you got to cut a promo – as a man on Mori Povich finding out that he is not the father. Yeah, you can't see me. That baby don't look like me. That baby looks like your ugly butt. That's why I didn't even touch you. I never even been with you. I deny, deny, don't lie. I tell you right now, ain't nobody want to be with you. That must have been one of them immaculate conceptions. I can't even believe it because it'd be a miracle that you could even give birth to a human being because you're a monster. Nobody wants to be with you. You won't even find me. You can't see me. That baby don't look like me. <laughs> oh, shit. These are all, like, probably direct uh, storylines out of the Attitude Era. <laughs> all right, we got to do uh, 
we gotta do one more, man. We got <laughs> I want you to uh to cut a promo as a I want you to cut a promo as somebody that likes to spoil the the endings of movies. Listen here, I'll tell you why they call me the spoiler. Cause I win and I'll tell you what's gonna happen. I'm gonna pin you, alright? You're gonna fake slap me across the chest and then I'm gonna body slam you, alright? But that's not how I'm gonna win. I'll tell you I'm gonna win. You're gonna get counted out of the ring 20 seconds, bro. Let me just tell you. Right now, you know what? Aladdin Aladdin gets set free as well, just so you know. <laughs> oh shit. Oh, we're fucking done after that one. That's it. I thought that you were gonna good. I thought they were like actually real characters. Yeah, some of like them. A, some of them were actually the cocaine dealer about to fight a stripper in a ladder match was uh, one of the actual best. That was one of the highest rated matches of all times. It was uh, Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania yeah. 10. Oh, okay. See, they I stole the show. And then I was uh, that. I a former Chico in there. Yeah, a former porn star turned wrestler about to fight an evil clown is Val Venus versus Doink. Um, wow, I need Doink. Was, see, right there, I was catching on what you was doing. I was like, oh, okay. Especially, I was like, that's how I guess Doink. There's a voodoo shaman about to fight a trash man in a cage, which would yeah. be Papa Shango versus uh, Duke the Dr- Dumpster Drossy in a cage match. That would have been a funny one, dog. But, you know, right. I, I was, dude, you fucking Let's blew my mind because it's like, Almost everything's a promo. Like even on Maury Povich, it's just a promo. Yeah. Promo. That's why you Promos gotta like. Everywhere. If you're doing some like tips on Instagram, you know people ain't gonna trust it no more. You're like, you gotta say no promo, dog. No promo, bro. You gotta try <laughs> this uh, protein shake, bro. No promo. I'm not even getting paid, bro. That's a t-shirt, also. Keeping it 100. That's definitely a t-shirt. No promo. I've been following these two words like don't exasperate the situation, but that's what a promo <laughs> does. You know what? I ordered I ordered no foam on this coffee and this extra foam. I need extra coffee. Who's I'm gonna take it out on? You know what I'm saying? Like it's just bro, like come on. How you feel, man? You feel like you wanna do one more before we tell them about next week's episode? You wanna do one more? You wanna be I mean, off with one more? Which one you guys are one that you haven't right, mentioned? I'll, I'll let you I'll let you choose who you wanna be in this promo, alright? A zombie dead man about to fight a white rapper in a casket match. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the white rapper? I'll be the zombie dead man. I'll be the white rapper then. All right. I'll, I'll cut the promo first. I'll be the zombie dead man. Here we go. <laughs> you think you are the best rapper, but you're not because I kick it. With Biggie Smalls and Tupac in the grave. And they rap way better than you. I will eat your flesh. And then when you die, Tupac and Biggie will pull you into the deepest depths of white rapper hell. With Vanilla Ice and that fucking guy that sings Informa and all the other shitty white rappers. Because that's what you are. And the best part about it, or the worst, is you are a much better rapper than you are a wrestler. Rest in rapper hell. Yo, man. Why you hating? Why don't you pull your hat from your face and stop being faceless and being racist? I'll tell you right now, it ain't right. Talking about rap. Rapping can't come from a dude who's white. <laughs> I put you in a headlock so tight, it'll make your mama cry. Yeah. Believe you asking why. You thought you couldn't die, and then you met me for the last time. Ha. Watch the bell shine. We're making a comeback after two weeks of inactivity, and we're fucking coming in hot. We're coming in hot. 
All right, man, that puts a bow on our Hulkamania Secrets to Branding Success episode. How'd you feel about that one, Sissy? You like that one? I thought that was fun. Yeah, man, no, no, no doubt. Yeah. Join us next week where we take a little bit of a different approach. We're going to give you all of the items in the fitness industry that make you say, what the fitness? And then we're going to give you a little backstory on who Sissy and I are. A little bit of an origin story. But we're going to have some funny shit for you next week where people just fuck up fitness left and right with their crazy ass products. And also remember, if you are a business owner that wants to get your branding to the next level, we're going to give you the Talking Some Muscle 4 demandments, which are subscribe to our podcast, listen to our episodes, and share us with a friend. And remember, if you don't got it, don't show it. Tell you what Melbourne Post is packing right here. I've got 411 positive track out back, 750 double pumper, Edelbrock intakes, Ford over 30, 11 to 1 pop-up pistons, turbojet 390 horsepower. We're talking some fucking muscle. Uh-huh.